I wouldn't ever want to just milk the goats and sell someone the milk. I would want to put all that effort and energy into looking after the goats, creating perfect milk and making beautiful cheese with it. Our milk is so precious that if we lose a litre, it's devastating for us. And we don't even in winter drink our own milk because the milk's slow and we want to put it into our cheese. My name's Anne-Marie Monda and I'm a co-owner with my partner. Carla Mers. We uh, live and farm here at Sutton Grange and our cheese that we produce is holy goat cheese. This is The Producers. I'm Danny Vallant. Holy Goat is one of Australia's longest running and most respected and enjoyed goat cheese producers. It's made at Sutton Grange, 204 acres of rolling granite plains in Jar Jar Warren country. It's 150 kilometres north of Melbourne, 20 kilometres east of Castlemaine and 30 kilometres south of Bendigo. Carla Mers and Anne-Marie Monda make fresh, rind-ripened and semi-hard cheeses that each tell their own story of milk quality, the health and happiness of the goat herd and the soils and pastures that support them. The only farming background I had is as kids we had, um, we lived in Warrnambool and um, we had family friends who had a farm and I was the sort of kid who liked to spend a lot of time at the farm. So I did go and stay at the farm doing crazy things and trying to find ways we could jump off a fence onto the back of a pony. We didn't ever succeed, but anyway. <laughs> I grew up in Melbourne in where the uh, orchards used to be and they were, you know, turning into housing estates. So it was we had the creek still at the back and we had tortoises and kookaburras and snakes. Uh, but I, I did have an interest in animals, you know, I was always... I had ducklings and then I did get goats when I was 16 and then I studied agriculture when I was 18 because, you know, give me the girl when she's seven and I'll show you the woman. And it was, I think that's so true because I thought, will I study accounting or will I study agriculture? What's more important, food and water? And even then I had a very powerful desire to to do good with what I was going to do with my life. So I, I had goats then and I always wanted a herd and then studied agri agriculture for four years. Uh, so the seed was sown. We have lived here for 22 years. So when we came to this farm, um, in 1999, we came with the intention to live and work with goats. And uh, in living and working with goats, we had some experience overseas and in Western Australia working with goat herds. And so we had an idea and they were both dairy goat herds. So it was lovely to um, look at a property like this and an aspiration to have a dairy goat herd and to make cheese and to be able to find a really beautiful property um, in suitable goat country. You don't want wet country for goats because they're dry land animals. They'll either be up mountains or in deserts. Uh, they don't do well in the wet. Their hooves aren't made for it. So it was 
a, an amazing thing to find a property as beautiful as this, just right where we wanted it to be. Holy Goat is much more than a name. It's a shorthand for the reverent way that everything is done here. Carla and Anne-Marie's guiding principles are sustainability, quality, generosity and compassion for land and water, for the people who work on the farm and make the cheese, and of course for the goat herd, without which none of this would be possible. It was a controversial time because um, I'm a lapsed Catholic and I found that it was quite sacrilegious to use the word holy and goat together, but I'd have to say it so suits uh, how we want to be with goats and farming with them and living with them because in a way we're reverential and respectful to them because they we exist here as a cheese as cheese producers because we have these extraordinary animals um, that uh, provide milk to us and joy and fun and just living with a herd of animals it's it's um it's almost an archetypal experience uh, and we could be a mongolian um camel herders or yak herders because basically every day we are with the goats and living living that life so holy goat does really underpin everything we feel for these beautiful animals. So I don't find it sacrilegious anymore. <laughs> I love the name Holy Goat, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and and part of it was because it's a bit cheeky, but also it's also very serious because actually, you know, everything's sacred in a way and so to say holy goat is to say in having a goat herd and making cheese and working with them we respect them as really beautiful and wonderful beings so in a way it's a way of holding them sacred to say holy goat when we uh, first were making cheese and uh we were just making the making sometimes we were just making it in the house we weren't selling uh, the cheese commercially but we had lots of friends who the word went out that there were people making some goat cheese and um it was very interesting just to see how far and wide that story went because when we'd go to our favorite cafe in uh, castle maid we'd have this little gaggles of people hanging out hoping that maybe they would get some cheese from us so that that was a lovely thing and by 2003 when we were selling we also had just really tremendous support in the region actually from all sorts of foodie people would just get, got behind that product they tasted the product they got behind the product and we felt so fortunate to have that actually because really a new brand uh, a new a style of cheese goat cheese that hasn't really had a great profile at, at that time you know not a great wasn't very known at that time uh, so we had some fantastic champions out there in this region for our cheese people running businesses running restaurants running cafes who just really really gave us a 
great lift in terms of just marketing for us, spruiking the cheese, getting people to buy it. So, And then the farmer's market started up, which was just gold, really. I'd have to say the work of chefs has been really um, important for us. And, you know, chefs may be working in a restaurant or uh, a cafe and and when they move, we move with them and, I, and they really... Uh, I really love the work that they've done with our cheese and the way they've brought it into the everyday because it can just be seen to be a cheese that, oh, you only get on a Saturday night to have with a glass of wine. But, you know, we believe that a good quality cheese is a cheese that you eat every day. And I think the chefs have helped do that um, on a, on a you know, day-to-day basis and in cafes. And um, certainly with the farmer's markets that you mentioned, Carla, they have really allowed just the everyday person to to have that as part of eating good quality food, good quality nutrient-dense food. In terms of having a goat herd, uh, you know, one of the things was, well, if you're going to have a goat herd, it has to be practical. You're going to have to look after them, feed them. And so it was really desirable for us to have an opportunity to be able to look after the goats um, and then collect their milk and then turn it into cheese. When We had worked on a goat cheese making um, farm in Western Australia, so we did have some experience in that. Uh, and I always said to Amory, uh, uh, and I'd say it now, I wouldn't ever want to just milk the goats and sell someone the milk. I'd want to put all that effort and energy into looking after the goats, creating perfect milk and making beautiful cheese with it. And the thing is that um, as you make cheese, you know you know lots about how good or bad the milk is from the goats and how well the goats are. There's a, a really strong feedback between the two. So it's a, it's a great... Uh, way to live to you know milk goats in the morning make the cheese that morning and through the day and milk them again at night and it rolls on like that but you get also um uh, the pleasure of the company and the intelligence of the goat i think when food was turned into a commodity that's when people lose respect for it so if we just milked our goats and then sold the milk only and didn't make the cheese even that begins the process of that milk becoming a commodity. But our milk is so precious that if we lose a litre, it's devastating for us. And we don't even in winter drink our own milk because the milk's low and we want to put it into our cheese. So that's the beginning of like really respecting every aspect of the, the cheese process because... We can be responsive to our goat's needs depending on what's happening with the milk and the milk's precious because of that. I suppose it's the the desire, the knowledge you have and the subtlety of making cheese, all of the things you need to know, the textures, the smells, the looks, the the way you need to adapt, just like you have to adapt with the goats and the seasons, the cheese as well, you just have to be uh, always alert. You're, it's not a mindless activity. And it's also a very, um, they're beautiful, the cheeses that, that we make. They're beautiful to look at. They're beautiful to handle. Um, the ladling's lovely to do. So all the activities in the cheese room are, are, are good, except if something's going wrong and then it's hard work trying to get to the bottom of it. Mm. 
you know, we make a lot more from just making cheese. We just get such thrilling science experiments, such fabulous reading. You know, we get journals from America to explore alternative ways of treating humans, which we use on our goats. And so it opens up this incredible Pandora's box. Farming is just so extraordinarily exciting. I just get goosebumps thinking about how lucky we are to live here. So, yes, the cheese is the product that we sell that makes the money, but we are just in this sea of um, exploration all the time. Goats have been living alongside humans for at least 10,000 years, making them one of the oldest domesticated species. They are curious, agile and intelligent, about as smart as dogs. The 100 or so goats at Sutton Grange graze on native grass and pasture-cropped paddocks. Well, the most remarkable thing about it is they've got no top teeth, which really... really freaks people out because they've just got a like a a palate a hard palate there and um big grinding teeth at the back for turning grass into this extraordinarily white pure milk uh they're ruminants so they've got four stomachs they hold a lot of their fat around their organs and not under their skin so they don't like drastic changes in weather um, because they can't really keep themselves that warm. So hence, you know, central Victoria is a really lovely environment um, with long dry summers and not too cold winters. Uh, They've got very strange eyes. They can see nearly 360 degrees because of where their eyes are sitting. So they're always watching you even if you're at the back of them. And they respond to you very quickly, an arm movement, um, a, you know, just even a knock of the head in a certain direction. And they're really, really responsive. I have to say all of our goats are hand raised. So we have strong connections with them. And there isn't that fight or flight distance that you have with most herd animals. Well, we're at um, in the dairy at Holy Goat Cheese and uh, I've got all the young goats waiting to come up on the line. And as soon as we've got them all, because we've got a prior, we want to prioritise some of the youngest goats to get up first because they've only just kitted recently and so we don't want them getting bullied by anyone. So we're just waiting for that to come up. We're, and Lydia's down the bottom walking around the sheds looking for any other little ones that we've missed out. So they all get up first. Uh, we milk in the morning. At, uh, started at about six o'clock, and we milk at about three thirty in the afternoon, twice a day. Their peak milk is in um, spring, coming into summer. But spring is the highest milk because they've just—it's a—it's just the natural cycle of spring. So now they're milking just over two liters each a day. But then it can be four liters or six liters or even eight liters from individuals sometimes. So it's um yeah. So, but this is, we don't push the goats. Um, they kid when they're two and then they uh, keep milking till they're four 
And at four, uh, we decide of the two year when those two year olds when they're four, which ones are really fantastic milkers, and we'd like more kids from them. So they have a kid, and everyone else just keeps milking through. So some does are in a herd, and they're ten years old, and they only ever had one kid when they were two. So goats, if you keep asking for milk, will keep making milk. But apparently, that's actually also true of cows. The house cow didn't have calves every year out on the farm she just kept milking because people kept milking her so a bit like um wet nurses can keep lactating and feed lots of babies yeah they're very interested in everything everything going on and everything that's uh <laughs> to their interest and they like their little routine so these goats will all crowd around uh, Lydia there because they know she's going to open the gate and they're meant to be first <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to get them first as best she can. So here they go. And they're pretty enthusiastic as they run up on the line. So noise you can hear running on the... Up they go. Well, they like being milked also because there is a pretty uh, nice little mix of food there that we mix up ourselves. We make a mix uh, twice a day in their little feeder. So that's pretty good too. Uh, I don't, otherwise, some of the old girls probably wouldn't bother coming up, I don't think. The young ones probably would. They'd want to get rid of their milk, but some of them would think, ah, stay lying in the shed. We spend a lot of time just checking on all of the goats. Uh, if they've, like if someone's got a snotty nose, we give them some cinnamon and turmeric and uh, vitamin C mix, things like that. And so we sort of, and at night, usually things are pretty smooth, unless we've got someone we're watching out for and then we might look out for them. We might treat them with something. But mainly homeopathics and herbs and spices, actually. <laughs> it's so cheap, but it works. We're more cautious now about, I suppose, people's intentions for wanting to know about um, food or for wanting us to be involved in, um, say, different shows or, you know, because it's like it becomes the flavour of the month and we want to keep this uh, authentic, what we do. We don't want it to be just commodified in a different way where we just sell the milk but also that, that it's not authentic. And I think in that, Emery, it's also we don't want to become personally part of the commodity package. As it, you know, as if, oh, because sometimes it would be, oh, you need to go and, rep, you know, you need to be there to do this and do this. And I think actually, no, I don't. I need to be here looking after this farm, looking after these goats, looking after our team, living this life. Yeah. That's not, it doesn't go beyond that. And But there's always a little bit of a pressure to, if you've got um, a cheese with some status, that you become a little bit of a weirdy celebrity person that people want to see and you to go here and there and turn up at things. And a little bit of that happened here and there and we've just realised it's just not the thing we're going to do and we can just be clear about that. We don't. It's just fine. Other people do that work. They're terrific at it and they probably really enjoy it as well. If we could have small farms like this where you keep your product, your 
milk, meat, whatever, on the farm and manage it as much as you can, uh, I think we would have less uh, food waste and probably uh, we would value food a lot more. And, and that's... And our cheese is expensive and our, our cheese, in a way, really reflects the cost of making cheese in a humane, intelligent, uh, careful, uh, f you know, with food safety in mind way that reflects, um, you know, our values and vision for farming. I think there's something about goats and people. So goat herds have followed people around for a long time and dogs have hung around with people for a long time. And I think probably there's a lot in the way goats, uh, everything about their appearance, it's very attractive to us. They look you in the eye. They actually, their mouth looks like it's smiling. They might be growling for all we know, but they look like they're smiling. So they're very... And they're also quite uh, tactile with you. You know, they like rubbing their body against you. They like you to pat them. So they're people's schmoozers. So they've sort of learnt uh, the reciprocity, is it, <laughs> of the relationship. We get the milk and they get looked after. I would like to think that when people come to Castlemaine or Bendigo or Dalesford, they want to eat the local cheese. They want to be able to connect what they're seeing in the environment with what they're eating and that they're proud of it. And I want Castlemaine people, not just Melbourne people to be doing that. I want Castlemaine people and Dalesford people and Bendigo people to say, um, we're, we're supporting our local producers by buying their product and we're proud to do that because they're in our region, you know. The more we have that concept of terroir and what granite soil means to making goat cheese like this and what this climate does to make the goat cheese and all the things that terroir means, that uh, grows regionality. That really grows regionality. So I think the more that we attach where the food comes from to the food, and if we can continue to do that in the region, which I think has, is happening more and more, um, that's, that's the direction I hope we continue to grow in. Not, no, not detachment about this. Like every time you eat a beautiful piece of lamb you we need to be thanking that animal for that beautiful lamb and every time we eat a beautiful piece of cheese to just reflect on the amount of work and dedication that goes into producing that food so if our region embraces that and continue and it has to to a degree I think it's that makes me proud to be part of the, this region. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Danny Vallant. Stay tuned as we talk to some of Australia's best farmers, makers and growers. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or contact us via deepintheweeds.com.au.